Tonight we are looking at Mark 9. Mark 9. This can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 821. We're approaching this series on faith and doubt by looking at five episodes from the life of Jesus. There are lots of ways to approach a series on faith and doubt. One is to have like PowerPoint slides and proof texts and, you know, give you rational answers to lots of different questions. But when it comes to matters of faith and doubt, what matters is Jesus and who he is and what he did and how he loved people. And so for these five weeks, we're, we're looking at Jesus. And how does he encounter people who believe or people who don't believe or people who fall somewhere in the spectrum between faith and doubt and belief and unbelief? What does Jesus do in those situations? Because what matters isn't understanding everything. What matters is meeting Jesus. And so let's look tonight. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, I'll be reading from verse 14 through verse 29. This is right after Jesus and three disciples have been on the mount. Jesus has been transfigured. It's been an amazing event. They come down the mountain, and it says this, when they, that is Jesus and the three, came to the other nine disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw Jesus, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth, and it becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. Jesus answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. When the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It's often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand When Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer. This is the word of the Lord. He'd lived that life for a long time. 
always blowing out candles, always extinguishing lamps, always dousing fires, taking the long way to the market to avoid the big well, never walking along the shore no matter how beautiful the weather. He couldn't remember the last time he'd slept through the night without startling when he heard his boy turn over in bed. He'd lived that way for a long time. When his son was younger, it was a little easier to control him. He could hold him when he had the seizures. He could comfort him. He could speak to him, even though his son could never speak back to him. But as his son got bigger, it grew harder and harder to control him, to, to keep him safe. Eventually, he, he just kept him home. One day, he's in the market, and he hears stories. People are starting to tell stories. There's this, there's this teacher, and, and he casts out demons, and and he heals people, and his disciples can do it too. They've been going to the villages, pairs of them. And amazing things have been happening. My uncle saw him cure a blind man. Here's the stories. He reaches over to pay the woman at the olive stand for his fruit, and she leans into him and says, maybe he could heal your boy. She knew about his boy. Everybody knew about his boy. It wasn't that big of a village. People knew. They used to see him. They hadn't seen him in a while. But they'd heard the stories about him, too. He foams at the mouth. He's never spoken. My little girl once saw him try to throw himself in a bonfire. They knew. So the woman says, maybe he can heal your boy. Maybe, thinks the dad. Maybe. It's been a while. He's lived this life a long time. It's hard to imagine it not being like this. It's hard to imagine that anybody could do anything. It's not like they haven't tried anything. It's not like he hasn't been desperate enough to try all the other things everybody told him to try, to feed the child different things, to say different things to the child, to, to coddle the child, to let the child go. He tried all the things that they told him to do and none of them had worked. Maybe he could hear your child. So he takes a big risk and he takes his boy from the privacy and safety of their home into the middle of the public square. He takes his boy to these disciples. He takes his boy in and says, please help him. And they can't. We can only imagine 
the disciples being faced with this boy and saying all the things that they're supposed to say and laying their hands on him and well, say it louder. Well, now you try it. Let's, let's all try it. This isn't working. I don't know why it's not working. They're getting more and more frustrated. The scribes start to argue with them. I don't think you're doing it right. I don't think you people know what you're doing at all. Where's your rabbi? You think you can do this without him? Who do you think you are anyway? And then the rabbi appears, walks into the middle of this argument. What are you arguing about? The dad says, I brought, I brought my boy. He has a demon. I, disciples couldn't cast it out. How long has it been? From childhood, it's horrible. It throws him into fire. It throws him into water. It, it tries to destroy him. If you could do anything, if you could do anything, a desperate father. Worn out from all the remedies and all the prayers and all the things that everybody told him to do. A desperate father in the middle of the public square. A desperate father who's put his greatest desire out there and it can't be fixed. A desperate father in the middle of the public square asking for help and no one can help if you can do anything. Some of us know exactly how that feels. We've taken the medications that they've told us to take and the depression just hangs like a fog. We prayed and prayed the way people have told us to pray and our parents' marriage is still crumbling down. We've gone through test after test after test with the migraines they're not going away and no one knows what's causing them. I would give anything to not be attracted to this person, but I am. I would give anything to not be attracted to people in this way, but I am. I would give anything. I would give anything. Two weeks ago, we had a service of prayers for healing. We gathered in the Fine Arts Center and we prayed. We prayed through writing and we prayed through tying leaves on trees and we prayed in small groups and we prayed as individuals and we prayed some big prayers over there. We prayed big prayers for, for ears to work again, for eyes to be clean again. We prayed for broken relationships to be knit together again. We made amazing prayers. We asked for big, big things. We put it all out there in the middle of the public square. We prayed these big things. And for some of us, there was an inch toward hell. For some of us, there was a, an openness toward the healing power of the Spirit a release, and for some of us it felt like there was nothing. 
And then we start to think, well, did I do it wrong? Because there's this line in here about it's only come out through prayer. Well, did we pray it wrong? Like the disciples, did we not do it right? Did we do it wrong? Was there more I can do? Is there something more I can do? Is there anything more I can do? So I don't know, Jesus, if there's anything you can do. If. If, says Jesus. And now you've got to admit that Jesus seems a little snarky in this passage. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long am I to be with you? Oh, my goodness sakes, who are you people? If I can do anything. Now, Jesus had just come off the transfiguration. He had just spent time talking with Moses and Elijah. He had just heard the voice of God declare over him, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He was glowing. He comes down the mountain and he tells the three disciples who've been with him, now here's the plan. I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die. I'm going to be raised again. They don't quite get it. But he's got it. He is clear. He is clear about his mission. He is clear about his authority. He is clear about his power. He is clear about his identity as the beloved child of God. So he comes down the mountain. And scholars wonder if he was still glowing. And that's why the crowd reacts to him the way it does. Before he does anything, it says the crowd's overcome with awe. It's like... What's up with that guy? He is so full of who he is, the son of God. He comes down, he's like, he's like a general coming back from headquarters. And he has seen the weaknesses in the enemy's defense. And he has seen the strength of the weapons on his side. And he comes back into his camp and the people there are having a silly skirmish about who's gonna win the battle. And he says, oh, for Pete's sake, people! You faithless generation! We've got a plan here. It's gonna work. You're letting some scrawny little demon tear you apart? I don't think so. Bring the boy to me. And as soon as the Spirit sees the Son of God, it gives one last attempt at demonstrating its power. It shakes up the boy, convulses him. And Jesus asks this desperate, weary father this question, how long? How long has this been going on? How long? And the father says, since he was little, it's horrible. And did you notice that the father says, have mercy on us? Have mercy on us. If you can do anything, 
if, if all things are possible to the one who believes, then I believe, help my unbelief, says the Father. And that's enough. That's plenty. Jesus gets to work. He rebukes the demon. He sends it back. He sends it far away from this little boy. The little boy shakes again. There's a convulsion again. He's laid out flat on the ground, and everyone says, he's dead. But Jesus reaches over and takes the boy's hand, and Mark uses a word here twice, Anastasia, he says. Anastasia, resurrection. Jesus lifts him up and helps him stand. Jesus resurrects him, and he is resurrected. Jesus raises the boy up, and he stands. And the disciples say, um, why? why couldn't we... Why couldn't we do that? And Jesus gives this very perplexing answer. This kind can only come out through prayer. And then the story ends. So, I mean, we don't even get to hear the boy's first word. We don't even get to see the embrace of the father and the son. You know, there's no like Disney happy ending, uh, tears. There's this weird, this kind can only come out through prayer. And it's not like the disciples go, oh, that's right. We totally forgot about the prayer. (laughs) And it's not like there's any point in Mark where it says, and then Jesus paused and prayed, and this is what he said. And then he rebuked the demon. Let me just throw this out and see if it sticks. Who prays in this passage? The Father, I believe, help my unbelief. That's the closest thing to a prayer. That is a prayer. And as soon as he says that, Jesus moves in. Jesus responds, all things are possible to the one who believes. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. The words there are really faith. I faith. Faith me. Weak faith. Weak. And when the father was describing the events to Jesus, he said to him, I tried to ask your disciples to do it, but they weren't strong enough is what it really means. They weren't strong enough. They weren't strong, and I am weak. And Jesus says, great, excellent Well done, because this is not about you. This is not about you. It's not about getting the prayer just right. That's why we're not given a formula, I don't think. This isn't about you being holy enough to offer it up. This is about a father desperate who would do anything for his son, and in that moment, he could have lied. Did you ever think about that? He could have said, I believe everything, everything, everything I've ever heard. All about you, I believe it all, I believe it all. He doesn't. This is a raw, 
honest, courageous prayer of surrender. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And Jesus says, yeah. And he responds to the love of this father for his son. He responds to the prayer of the father toward his God. He responds to the desperate need and the raw honesty by moving in in power. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's so tempting. We'd really like it to be about us. You know, because if I could just pray the right thing, then I would be healed. If I could just, you know, read the Bible a little bit more and pray a little bit more and go to church a little bit more and go to loft a little bit more and go to chapel a little bit more, I would have my act together and then I would really know God and he would, His power would really come upon me and then I could really go out if I could just do a little bit more. If I could just do a little bit more and try a little harder and like, get the hands on it. You say it louder. I don't know. You say it louder. If we could just get it right. It's not about you. Faith is about admitting that you are not in charge of your life. Faith is about admitting is that there's someone else in charge of your life and he actually knows it a lot better than you do. Faith is about confessing all the ways in which you have trouble believing that. All the ways in which you try to take back control. All the ways in which you really wish you could tell God exactly what you wanted and he would do it. It is no coincidence that immediately after Jesus has this transfiguration experience up on the mountaintop, glowing with the light of God, full of holiness, full of power, that right after that, when he comes down the mountain, he finds that the enemy has trying to take ground. It happens every time in the book of Mark. Every time Jesus has something powerful happen, the next event is a demon who shows up and says, I don't think so. Every time. And every time Jesus says, I think so. Every time. Every time we try to make it about us, every time we try to make it about what we can do and our desperate need and you have to help me or else, every time we do that, we get into the swirl and forget that we worship Jesus the one who rebukes demons, who has the power of the Most High, who loves you more than you will ever know and can help you and can heal you. And if you surrender, the result can come into your life with power. At the end of the healing service two weeks ago, we said that we were praying protection 
Because it's so tempting after a time of healing prayer and to think, did that work? I don't think that worked. Did that work? Did we do it right? It's so tempting then for the enemy to move in and think, you're not praying hard enough. You need to do better. It's not, it's not working for you, this whole Jesus thing. You've got to let it go. And so we pray protection and we fight back against the enemy because we worship a most high God. So in matters of doubt and faith, don't quibble around the margins. If you've got a question to ask, ask it. If you've got research to do, research it. If you've got somebody you need to talk to, talk to them. Because we do not yield ground to the enemy. We are servants of the Most High God. We worship Jesus Christ, who knew about his suffering and his death and his resurrection who knew that the way to power was not through trying to do everything he could, but through sacrificing himself. The Apostle Paul pleads with God in Corinthians to take away his thorn. Please take it away. Please take it away. Please take it away. And the voice of Jesus comes to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. In honest, raw prayers that admit our belief and our unbelief. In the complete surrender of people who really like to hold on tight power of Jesus Christ is evident and broken and poured out. Bread, cup, given for us. The power of God is made perfect in weakness. We believe and God helps our unbelief. Blessed be his holy name. Will you pray with me? Our God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his boldness in naming truth, in claiming faith. We thank you for his compassion on a weary father who seemed without hope. We thank you that just the smallest amount of faith was rewarded with this person's greatest dream, his greatest prayer answered. We thank you that we don't have to get it right because you did. And as we come to the table, we pray, Lord, feed our faith. Feed our belief. Help our unbelief. Through Jesus Christ, the powerful one, we pray. Amen.